Well, uh, Christmas was quickly approaching. A young man started thinking about what he would give his father, who lived far away. He wanted to give him something special, something that would be meaningful, that would show his father just how much he cared for him. Well, he looked and looked until he found the perfect gift. It was a one-of-a-kind exotic parakeet, expertly trained, was so unique that it could speak in, in five different languages. It could sing the Yellow Rose of Texas, his father's favorite song, while standing on one leg. Such an unusual bird came with a steep price tag, of course, of $10,000. He considered such a steep cost, but he decided this gift, this special, this unique, this incredible gift to his father would be well worth it. So he purchased the bird, had it specially shipped to his father. He couldn't wait to hear his dad's response. Every day he was waiting and waiting to see. He called his father on Christmas Day. Dad, did you get my gift? His father said, I certainly did, son. Well, Dad, how'd you like it? His father said, oh, it was delicious. His dad obviously missed the point, right? He didn't understand the nature of the gift, and because he didn't understand the nature of the gift, there was no way he could rightly receive it. I mean, he liked it. He was appreciative, but he had no idea the full magnitude of the gift, what it meant. In the same way the world doesn't understand the nature of the gift of Christmas. They I appreciate it, maybe. There's the themes of peace and joy and getting together with family, enjoying good food. Everybody likes that stuff. But the meaning, the full magnitude of the first advent is lost on most people. The gift of Jesus announced to Mary so long ago not only changed history forever, but that same news is meant to change us and to keep changing us. Because it's not just the world out there that can misuse the gift or fail to rightly receive it. Often we, even as believers, can do that as well when our hearts are not continually open to the ways that Jesus Christ comes to us here and now. As we've heard, this is the fourth week of Advent. Our theme is salvation. We've been talking throughout this season of Advent how the season reorients us and reframes us to God's timetable toward our sure hope in Christ. And on this fourth Sunday, Advent reframes us to receive the gift of salvation in Christ for the first time or the hundredth. Just as the angel came to Mary with the greatest news ever, God comes to us in his word with the same news. But it's up to us to rightly receive it. Would you pray with me as we turn to God's word? Well, our Father, that is our prayer, that you would give us open hearts this morning, ready to receive the gifts that you have for us in your word. We ask your spirit to open up this familiar story for our growth and the glory of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, look again, if you have your Bible or reading device, look at Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Well, these familiar words aren't just set up to the familiar story that follows, but they, they put us in a real setting, a real place with real people, and not just a real setting, but not a particularly noteworthy one by the world's standards. This scene defies everything we might expect of the greatest news of all time being delivered and how God would choose to do it. This defies 
what we would expect. But Nazareth was sort of a nowhere town, known for corruption. As Nathaniel will ask in John 1, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So this news isn't delivered to the most powerful people or the most influential of the time, but to a young teenage Jewish girl that nobody ever heard of. Greatest news delivered in the humblest of places to the humblest of people. Imagine how this news, how this would have surprised Mary. Verse 28, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So twice the angel frames his announcement with mention of God's favor. He calls her favored one, a recipient of God's freely bestowed grace. And again, he reassures her, Mary, don't be afraid because you found favor with God. To say she found favor, if we know the story, is an understatement, isn't it? To be chosen as the one human being in all of history to bring into the world the long-awaited Messiah, the very Son of God. To think that Mary's face is the only face that our Lord Jesus resembled. As Mary reflects later in this chapter, all generations will call me blessed. And yes, we are right to do so. This, of course, doesn't mean Mary should be worshipped or exalted beyond her position, but she is to be honored. In many ways, emulated. She's a model for us of what it really means to receive the gift of Christ. Not because she was sinless, not because she has a halo over her head, but because she's just like us. The scene is so incredible in large part because she's just a normal teenage girl from a nowhere town. This is the incarnation. God taking on flesh, coming down, meeting us exactly where we are. Mary's a righteous and virtuous young woman, but God's favor is entirely based on God's initiative, on God's grace alone. It's the same in our lives. We don't earn God's favor. We don't earn our way into God's good graces. He just shows up with the gift. So while Mary, of course, has a very unique blessing here, this news Gabriel delivers applies to us broadly as well. In Christ, we have found favor with God. No matter what we're facing, there's no need to fear because God is with us. As the incarnation established that fact forever. Look down at verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Again, just try to imagine what it must have been like to hear this news as an unwed young teenage girl. You'll conceive a child. You'll name him Jesus. He'll be the son of God and he'll be king forever on the throne of David. The hope of Israel, the fulfillment of all prophecy, the fulfillment of all scripture. He is coming for his people and he's starting out as a baby in your womb. How do you process that? Okay, Gabriel, I think I was following you at the favored one part, but then I got derailed a bit. Can you repeat that? Can you write that down? Having a little trouble here. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? This is, of course, the logical question. 
Don't see doubt here. See honesty. See openness. Tell me more. How is God going to accomplish what he says he's going to do? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Well, this certainly didn't answer all of Mary's questions or ours probably. But this last statement is the perfect anchor point for us. Nothing is impossible for God. We're invited to put our full faith and our trust in God where it belongs with this statement. There's, of course, other miraculous births in Scripture. But as Daryl Bach notes in his commentary, the only other person in human history to have the same level of direct divine intervention in their birth was Adam. Jesus, of course, is the second Adam, the promised one to undo the curse of sin. So this story, this announcement to Mary isn't so great because it makes for a nice image on a Christmas card, and it does. But this news delivered to Mary is news we all desperately need to hear. It's news we need to receive. So don't miss the meaning of the gift. Jesus came to save us. We're hopelessly lost without him, separated from God because of our sin. We could never get to God on our own, and so God came down to us. He came for us and for our salvation as we recite in the creed. Nothing will be impossible with God. And this is good news. We could use some good news, couldn't we, in our world today. This has been quite a year. Many of us have spent a lot of time glued to the news maybe on your TV or your smartphone. I think it's being responsible to be keep up with what's happening in the world, but many of us find ourselves consistently fearful, anxious, frustrated, angry about what's happening. And it's easy for us to get off balance. It's easy for us to let our favorite news source determine our mood for the day, for our favorite news source to determine how we're going to treat our family members and coworkers. If you have kids, your kids, your grandkids see the way that you're processing what's happening in the world, how this stuff affects you. Ask yourself how much time per day you spend consuming news compared to how much you consume the good news in God's word. This is one more way that Advent can reframe us. Stop us in our tracks, maybe, from the direction that we've been going in our hearts and say, wait a minute, where is Jesus Christ pointing me? When we're tempted to be obsessive or angry about the news, let that remind you of the news that we're supposed to be enamored with. To open ourselves to being led instead by the Spirit of God. Just as the Holy Spirit did the impossible for Mary, the Spirit intends to do the impossible in our hearts. Look at Mary's heart. Verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In this short response, Mary's heart, Mary's faith are on full display. I mean, think of God's other announcements of miraculous births in Scripture. Remember, Sarah, she laughed. Zechariah doubted. And to Mary's announcement, which is by far the most miraculous, by far the most unbelievable, she believes. She receives it. 
This is why Mary's an example for us, a model of what it means to receive the gift of Christ. And what more is there to being a Christian than to be open in our hearts to the work of Christ? And that's Mary. She recognizes her place as God's servant. She knows there's no better place to be than standing before God with an open, humble heart. Let it be to me according to your word. Other translations render this. May your word to me be fulfilled. May it happen to me just as you've said. Or as we pray in the Lord's prayer, let your will be done. Mary wanted God's will and nothing else. And while she's being given an incredible blessing here, don't think for one minute this was easy for her. Don't think God's will for her was without difficulty or challenge. Being pregnant before being wed. All the stares, all the judgment and the gossip she would be receiving. Having to flee for their lives to Egypt. Having to give birth in a less than ideal setting. To say nothing of the challenge of mothering the Messiah. She doesn't know all that yet. What she does know now is how God has stepped in and completely changed all of her plans, all of her dreams maybe for the future. Everything in a moment has changed. How easy would it have been for Mary to be crippled by fear, to be crippled by doubt, anxiety about the unknown. But whatever else Mary's feeling here, her trust in God is paramount. Her trust in God is greater. Without hesitation, she says, yes, Lord, I want your will for my life more than anything. Think of what we might miss out on when we say to God, your will be done, God, unless it's fill in the blank. Or your will be done, God, as long as it includes fill in the blank. We often want God's will to the the degree that it fits with our plans and our desires. We say, maybe I like this about Jesus and this about him, but not so much that. But Christ has to be at the center. Christ has to be at the center of our lives because in Jesus alone do we find our true selves, what we're called to be and do. In Jesus alone we find true salvation. So the invitation is to be like Mary in receiving the gift of Christ into your heart and your life without reservation. So if you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ here in the sanctuary or joining us online, the invitation from this text for you is to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. Salvation is our most desperate need. But again, we can't earn it. We can't achieve it. God just steps into our lives and offers us his grace. Freely given. Freely bestowed. Freely offered. But we need to receive it. We don't need to have as much faith as Mary. It doesn't matter how much faith we have. It matters where it's placed. So the invitation to you is to put your trust in Jesus Christ. As believers, receiving the gift, of course, isn't a one-time thing. It's a lifelong journey of transformation, of opening ourselves to Christ and being transformed. When's the last time we responded honestly to God like Mary does here? We tend to pray, your will be done, kind of reluctantly. Maybe as a footnote to what we're really praying. God, give me this and this and this and your will be done. Kind of tucked in there at the end. But what better way to reorient our hearts in this season of Advent as we look forward to Christmas, as we look forward to the beginning of a new year. Oh God, open my heart more and more to the work of Jesus in my life. God, change my heart in those places where I'm settling for less 
than your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and in my heart. That's a bold prayer when I think God will answer. So let's spend some time meditating on Mary's response. Let it be to me according to your word. Pray that prayer every day this week. See how God changes your heart. So as we look toward the celebration of Christ's birth, his first advent this week, let's receive the gift of Christ like Mary. Let's focus on our own hearts and where we really are. What Jesus wants to do in us. Are you worried right now? Are you anxious? Are you distracted? Are you discouraged? Jesus wants to meet you there. Bring that to him. Bring that to Jesus with a brother or sister in Christ. And then let's look outward to see how God wants to use us to share the gift of Christ with others. It's easy to get distracted by other things. People get bent out of shape and worked up when people say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Let's not be surprised when the world doesn't know how to rightly receive the gift. It's not Christmas that needs saving. It's people that need saving. And God intends to use us to share the good news. There's people that we know. There's people that you know who are hurting right now. Maybe they've been struggling through a difficult year and they don't have the provision of Christ to face it. Pray for them. Pray for them through this rest of the Advent season. Reach out. Invite them to our Christmas Eve service. Tell them how Christ has been at work in your heart. Just as Mary's an example for us of what it means to receive the gift of Christ, people around us need to see That worked out in real life. They need to see examples of what that looks like, and that's us. That's what God is calling us to do. Well, the man who bought this, his father, the exotic parakeet, had the best of intentions. It was an incredible gift. His father liked it, but he missed the whole point. So he wasn't able to rightly receive it. Think of all who missed the gift of Jesus in his day. They were right there. There was Herod, there was all the other rulers in the world. Every innkeeper in Bethlehem, they missed it. The proud religious leaders, they all missed it. All who thought they didn't need salvation. All who thought they deserved God's favor, they all missed it. They had no clue what God was up to. Who received the gift? Nobody the world cared much about. A few foreign wise men, a bunch of nobody shepherds, and a humble teenage Jewish girl and her betrothed husband, they received it. God's grace doesn't come to us the way we might expect, maybe not even the way we want, but it's there. It's a gift. It's a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So receive the gift. I close with a Puritan prayer of praise for our incredible gift of salvation in Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? O source of all good, what shall I render to thee for the gift of gifts? Thine own dear Son, begotten, not created, my Redeemer, proxy, surety, substitute, his self-emptying, incomprehensible, his infinity of love beyond my heart's grasp. Herein is wonder of wonders. He came below to raise me above, was born like me that I might become like him. Herein is love. When I cannot rise to him, he draws near on wings of grace to raise me to himself. Herein is power. When deity and humanity were infinitely apart, he united them 
in unity, the uncreated and the created. Herein is wisdom. When I was undone with no will to return to him and no intellect to devise recovery, he came, God incarnate, to save me to the uttermost as man to die my death, to shed satisfying blood on my behalf, to work out a perfect righteousness for me. O God, take me in spirit to the watchful shepherds and enlarge my mind. Let me hear good tidings of great joy. In hearing, believe, rejoice, praise, adore. My conscience bathed in an ocean of repose, my eyes uplifted to a reconciled father. Place me with ox, ass, camel, goat, to look with them upon my Redeemer's face. And in him account myself delivered from sin. Let me with Simeon clasp the newborn child to my heart, embrace him with undying faith, exulting that he is mine and I am his. In him thou hast given me so much that heaven can give no more. Amen.